Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we get to look at the readings for the Ascension of our Lord. We will celebrate this coming Sunday and Saturday, and this will take place of the readings for the seventh Sunday of Easter. And so this is an interesting text. All these are interesting texts. And if you would like to listen to all the readings, you can do so by listening to the readings podcast that was dropped previous to this one. So, Vicar, the ascension of our Lord. This means that he returns to heaven, and this is a a big deal. And Luke 24 Mm -hmm. has just a few verses. It's only 44 through 53, and it actually doesn't say much about the ascension. No, it's, it's kind of interesting because in the text, it's really just kind of tacked on to the end there. In verses 50 through 53, really just gives a quick overview of the ascension, and it's kind of assumed there that there's this break in time between verses 49 and 50, and 40 days pass. Now, I think that's really important. So, verse 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are closed with the power from on high. And then the very next verse, which is 40 days later. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then he ascends. Forty days. We have no idea what happened for 40 days. And with that, you kind of get this, uh, and you can kind of miss that if you're not careful. Yes. Um, but um, there's really this uh, this big section of Luke 24 that all takes place uh, for the the resurrection, kind of Easter Sunday stuff. And that starts at verse 13. And then this big section runs all the way through verse 49. Uh, And then, like we said here, there's kind of this assumed break in the action, uh, and the ascension happens 40 days later. And you only kind of get those details if you actually read uh, the Acts passage, which does indicate that the ascension takes place 40 days after the resurrection. So um, some key details there that aren't really in the text, just in Luke 24, but they're really, really handy to know. Well, yeah, as we were preparing before we recorded, uh, as you said, though, is if you just read this straight, it sounds like Jesus is resurrected, he does all this stuff and ascends all on the same first day of the resurrection, first day of the week. And that is not true. We have a lot of time passing. We have Jesus showing up several times. We have the event of the Emmaus trip, uh, where the disciples, two disciples, uh, have it revealed to him that this is the resurrected Jesus. And of course, he does this. But going to St. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53, starting with verse 44, then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I really like this. And again, I've said this on podcasts, sermons, and Bible classes. Jesus is the only one who can make everything about himself 
and still not come up or come off arrogant. Because it really is about him. It's about his work. It's about his life. It's about his resurrection. This is all for you and for your salvation. And when Jesus lays this out, I really like this and appreciate this because it makes it so much bigger than, hey, guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm kind of a big deal. (laughs) This is Jesus saying everything that happened in the Old Testament, I did that here and now for you. The Old Testament pointed to me and the work I have completed for you. And this is just huge because uh, too often we look at the Old Testament as the rules that we're supposed to do or how uh, mean God was to everybody else, smiting everybody left and right. But it really is the preparation and the promise being given that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming to relieve us from the plights of this world, the plights of our sin, the plights of the separation that sin causes. It even, the Messiah even comes to uh, help us and relieve us of what death does. So this is just huge. And what else I appreciate about this is the disciples still don't get it, which I'm finding, I'm starting to find it hard to believe. And what I mean by that is they've accepted the resurrection. Jesus is eating with them. Jesus keeps coming in and out of locked rooms. So they're, they're, they're good with the resurrection. But have they really fully gotten the fullness of that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the fullness of God there? And we don't really have an answer, and I'm fine with that. But we'll find out a little bit more. They still need a lot of help. Do you have anything on that one? Well, it's interesting because really, as you're, as you're saying there, all of Scripture points to Jesus and the work he came to do. And it, it really makes sense when you start thinking about um, you know, all the, the figures in the Old Testament mm-hmm. uh, who maybe point to Jesus, um, obviously Adam. Uh, being the first one, yeah. Uh, but then all the leaders of the people of Israel who kind of point to Jesus because um, many of them, I'm thinking of Joshua, uh, yeah. has great characters and leads the people Israel, but they also have failures along the way. Um, so I'm thinking about in Bible class recently, we talked about the Gibeonites hmm. and making a treaty with the Gibeonites, and really it kind of goes against God's word, and so it's a failure of Joshua but that he makes this treaty without consulting God uh, about it. So with this, all these leaders of Israel throughout time all have their failures and point to the ultimate need of a Savior, uh, and that's where Jesus fits into the picture, because he's the one, the only one, who can come live perfectly and die for the sins of all. Uh, And that really is why we read all of Scripture with Jesus in mind. So we, we read Scripture... Uh, with a Christocentric lens, we're always thinking about Jesus. So if maybe if you think back to Sunday school, yep. uh, you know, where's Jesus in this text? Uh, that, that's kind of what we always have to be asking ourselves because he's the he's kind of the missing piece, the piece that holds it all together. All of Scripture is pointing to him, and that's what he's trying to get the disciples to understand here. And in the very next verse, yeah. he opens their minds. And so it's, it, it's this idea of making sense of all these things and as you mentioned, it does kind of take literal divine intervention as Jesus has to step in and, and teach them these things. Well, again, and kind of making fun of the, the disciples, you know, they're cool with the resurrection. They're, they're cool with all the miracles. But then he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. 
And that's the thing that they have an issue with. And again, we don't hear them fighting. We don't hear them, okay, you, you got us up to the resurrection, but fulfillment of scripture, you lost us. They're, they're not challenging this, but you can definitely see that they don't get it because of exactly what you said. Uh, verse 45, then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And I, I love this. And this is really, really important. And we need to remember this. Um, I made a note uh, concerning that. The natural faculties of sinful humans are unable to perceive that Jesus is the Christ and that he has accomplished their salvation. And as you said, divine intervention. And I, I thought about this as we were working to prepare for this podcast. And this is really the gift of faith. This mm-hmm. is the work of faith that our eyes are opened to see and hear Christ in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in our lives, in the church service, in the liturgy, in the hymnody, so on and so forth. Because it's all about Christ, but more importantly, the Christ who comes for you. Um, how many people know of the historic Jesus, but do not have a saving faith in the same Jesus? And so the disciples have this wonderful gift of God acting and opening up the scriptures to them. And what I appreciate about that is it didn't stop there. It wasn't just for these 11. We have that very gift. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who continues to preach to us, continues to reveal Christ for us. And we should not take this for granted. And nor should we—I don't have to read the Bible. The Holy Spirit will just give me what I need. Uh, we get to read Scripture. And I really appreciate what you said. Uh, Christocentric, we read from Genesis 1 to Revelation 24 with Jesus being there in every word. So just so we don't lose anybody, Christocentric yeah. is just, you know, when you want to sound smart with your yes. friends at your, your parties, that's just a way of saying Christ in the center. So as we read scripture, Christ is in the center of everything we're reading and thinking about with that scripture. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great, uh, and I love that the language, he opened their minds. So it's very reminiscent of earlier in Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. uh, where he opens the disciples' minds. And, it, you know, usually when you talk about the road to Emmaus, uh, pastors usually talk about that in being a, the greatest Bible study ever because he yeah. unfolds scripture yeah. uh, to these disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it's interesting that you get the same thing here. Well, so Jesus, as that ultimate teacher, really, yeah. who's who's showing how all of this works and where he fits into it. And oh yeah, it's just all about me. No, I, I agree. That would just be amazing for, for God to, to do that and to have that, to just lay it out. And really think about how awesome that aha moment would be. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Now it makes sense. I like it's like um, when you go to a Bible study and you're like, you know, class ends and you're like, oh man, that was a great class. I got so much out of that mm. today. That was That was just really stellar. I mean, that's like that times a thousand yeah. because Jesus is teaching you the Bible. <laughs> yeah. oh, that would be awesome. We should invite him on the podcast. <laughs> so w- with all of this, though, the the bigness of that, they to understand Scripture, um, Dr. Justin, his commentary uh, actually talks about um, 
the way Jesus is teaching and preaching and delivering this, not only through the work of the Holy Spirit opening their minds, but it's the hermeneutics of remembrance. Jesus actually isn't teaching them anything new, and he's telling them, remember when I did. Remember how I did this or that, how I prophesied. It's all fulfilled now. But then in the bigness of the connection of the whole um, of the Old Testament, remember. And I love that now it's history to be lived out now. It connects us to the past to be lived out in the present so that we get to look in hope and the sure and certain hope of the future that has really been open to us in Christ. And in that way, it's really, um, it's putting meaning yeah. to things that have already happened. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's explaining, really giving the meaning behind things he's already done. So it's not a... Uh, it's not just wait what I'm going to do, and when I do it, this is what it means. It's, hey, remember that thing I did? Right. Here's why I did that. Uh, and obviously, we know there's more to come uh, as he he is going to ascend shortly after this and then come back. Uh, so there is that aspect of there's still more that's going to happen. Uh, but with that, I like in this verse uh, especially that Jesus isn't just talking about himself, revealing everything uh, in Scripture and how it leads to him, but then he's also bringing the disciples into it in saying that the forgiveness of sins, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations. And that's going to be done starting with the disciples. So it's this aspect where they're being brought into all the work that Jesus has done. Now they're a part of it. Yeah, and with that, um, this is verse 46 into verse uh, 47, and he said to them, thus is it written that Christ should suffer. So all the things that did. But then I love the, the idea that you just brought up, the connection. And the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed, preached in his name to all nations, and his name being Jesus, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And again, I have no idea how the disciples received this. Their, their, their minds have been opened. They understand the scriptures on, on this amazing level with not only Christ uh, present before them teaching and showing, but the, the, immediate, the immediacy of the Holy Spirit being delivered to them to have this. And then they're told, okay, you got to work now. Mm -hmm. You have to tell everyone what you have seen. You have to preach my work in my name. And I really like the imagery that you just brought in, the idea that it's not just Jesus holding class. It's not just a lecture, but Jesus brings them into himself so that his work is now given not just to the 11, but to the church. And I love the bigness of that because it's so easy just to look at the disciples. It's so easy to make this an event that happened in the past that has repercussions and we have uh, the, the advantage of knowing and seeing it. But what Jesus is giving and delivering to the disciples, apostles, is still acting and being done today. And I just, I think that's not only huge, but just mind-boggling. Uh, you will preach, you will proclaim in my name to all nations. 
It doesn't just stop in Jerusalem. It's not just these few chosen. It is all nations. And you are witnesses of these things. And I love that witness aspect. Because again, it goes back to, to something that you've mentioned in the last couple of podcasts, the whole idea of seeing and believing. Now you have the eyewitnesses going out and saying, we have seen this, and thus says Scripture. And so it's not, trust me, I saw it, or trust me, you had to been there, but it, it was kind of cool, and this happened. You that, that seeing and believing now becomes believing and seeing. And with that, to push this language of witnesses a little further, I don't know if I've said it on, on the podcast here, or maybe I used it in a sermon, but uh, when you have a witness in a courtroom— uh, the witness is really no good if they've seen these events that have taken place firsthand, maybe, you know, whatever whatever the trial's about. They've seen the events firsthand, and then you call them to the witness stand, and they go, yeah, I can't really tell you about that. Okay, that, that's not, that wouldn't be a good witness. Right. And so with this witnessing comes actually the verb of witnessing. You actually tell what you saw. And so it gives us a chance... Um, as not firsthand witnesses, but witnesses through hearing of all these things that have taken place. It gives us a chance to give thanks for the apostles and the firsthand witnesses who were there, who then actually take this charge from Jesus to go and, and preach him, and, uh, and that goes out from there. Um, so if it weren't for these witnesses that were back then, uh, we wouldn't really be witnesses here because we wouldn't know anything about Jesus. So you see the importance of those who were there uh, and how that carries throughout the generations and the work of the Holy Spirit to spread the news of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins all throughout time. And then, yes, then it gets fun because now we're involved with it through, right. through hearing, as uh, Paul tells us, you know, through through hearing, uh, hearing the Word of God, faith is produced by the work of the Holy Spirit, and so now we get to go witness. Well, and with this, though, we get to hear the words of our Lord, and as the Holy Spirit opens our minds to receive in faith these gifts, that we're also included into Christ and brought, and then we get to witness, as you were pointing out, and we do this in life, we do this in what we do, living out our faith. But then we have this interesting thing in verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. And I love this because it's scary. And behold, I'm sending you out. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. And I love this because, again, it's, these disciples have witnessed, have seen, they're still talking to the Messiah. And Jesus says, I'm not done with you. It doesn't end here. I'm sending you with the promise to go tell other people. I'm sending you with the work of the Father and the whole idea of him pointing to himself, the work of the Father, the promise fulfilled, and you get to go and tell others. You are being sent. Apostles are going out, the sending. And they're not just being sent, but they're they're going to be sent with power from on high. So the promise here of the Holy Spirit that is soon going to come mm -hmm. uh, on the day of Pentecost, we have coming up, we're going to celebrate it in a couple short weeks here, but um, this promise of the Holy Spirit who is going to come and enable them 
to go preach Christ. So that that's going to come out a little later. So it's it's fun when we get to think about the Gospel of Luke uh, and the Book of Acts kind of being joined together yeah. as kind of a two volume work. Uh, because in Acts one, as we see in our first reading for for this service that we're going to be celebrating. That's where the ascension is kind of given in a little more detail. And then in Acts 2, we have the the um, Holy Spirit given in the day of Pentecost. So all of these things are kind of coming together, and you really don't have to wait long right, when yeah. you're reading Scripture to see how all these things kind of click together, uh, and then they're given the Holy Spirit to go and, and be witnesses and preach. Well, and again, who's in control? Who's doing the work? It's all God. But he uses these disciples and then later pastors and so on and so forth to preach, to proclaim, to continue to bear that witness. It's just amazing. Um, And then 50 through 53, then he led them out. This is 40 days later after uh, the statement, uh, you'll be clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands. He blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. That's the ascension. One verse, the whole ascension. And they worship him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So I'm very impressed with the disciples, first of all, because Jesus ascends and they have great joy. And they continue to worship. Uh, Because if we go to uh, Acts 1, and this is verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And I always like that. I, I like that because that's what I would be doing, just staring at, and you know your mouth would be gaping open trying to figure out what just happened. And, and not in a disbelief way, but just that's unnatural. That's not where people, you know, people don't come back from the dead and people don't just float up to heaven. But that's the ascension. And that's the promise. And he said from the beginning, I will return to my father. And he even said, I mean, uh, you know, it's good that I will depart from you uh, because I'm going to give you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So there's this aspect that while he's physically gone, he's ascended, Mm -hmm. uh, he's not done with them. And the same continues for us. I like the fact that they worshiped him uh, because with that, I mean, it's kind of the... um, you know, Jesus' divinity is on display in this little scene, and it's like, you've got no choice but to worship him. No, I I absolutely agree, and I appreciate that, because again, it's what we do. The ascended Lord is who we worship. As we are in this perpetual state of Advent, waiting for his return. But it is with joy. It is with excitement, because we've received the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit, and just the, the bigness of that. And I don't mean this in a defeative way, uh, but what else can we do with God but worship Him, but stand in awe of what He has done? And that's one of the things that I, I think I think we don't do the ascension justice because we have the resurrection. The dead came back to life. 
Jesus, who died, is now alive. But the ascension, he returns to God. And it's like, oh yeah, and he ascended into heaven. Moving on. We got other things to talk about. The whole idea that when Jesus ascends to heaven, we have that idea that he is taking to himself us, where he is, we are. And I, I love that aspect because, again, it's not, oh, we can't see him, he's gone, now we have to wait. He still resides with us. And that's what the Holy Spirit open. why the Holy Spirit opens Scripture to us so that we don't long for, oh, if Jesus was just back. Now, I agree with your earlier statement, how great of a Bible class would it be if Jesus showed up? Sermons would get better, podcasts would get better, the whole nine yards. But it's not like we don't have him. It's not like we don't have his word or his gifts. And when he comes back, it is the the fullness, the completion. It's the new heaven, the new earth. It's the bodily resurrection. It is all the things finally done and complete. Not that uh, he hasn't fulfilled all things. It's just the fullness of it. And so the ascension is truly the, the beginning of the end. And we get to welcome that end because it's the end of sin. It's the end of death. It's the end of everything that truly separates us from God. And so this is true reason to celebrate, and it's true reason to worship, and it's a true reason to have a full feast day dedicated to our Lord ascending so that he will once again come and bring us to where he is forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.